Hello and welcome to Capture Caledonia, the tracks that take us back, the podcast with me, Ewan Petrie. Each week, I'm joined by a guest who tells me all about the places in Scotland that mean the most to them and the memories and stories associated with these particular places. Then we listen to the songs that have become the soundtrack to these wonderful memories. I can't play all the songs in full due to copyright, but I hope that you enjoy the podcast nonetheless. If you are enjoying the podcast, please make sure you subscribe to it and leave us a rating and a review. You can also find us on social media. For Facebook and Instagram, just search Capture Caledonia. And for Twitter, search Capture Cali. Please like and share the pages with all your friends and family to help spread the word of Capture Caledonia and to keep up with the latest news. If you would like to support the podcast to help with future episodes, you can now donate on my Buy Me A Coffee page, which is www.buymeacoffee.com forward slash capture Cali. Any amount, no matter how small, really goes a long way. Thank you so much for your continued support and for listening to this week's episode. You're listening to the tracks that take us back on Capture Caledonia with Ewan Petrie. This week, I'm thrilled to be joined by Hannah Rarity on the tracks that take us back. For me, Hannah has one of the most beautiful and enchanting voices to grace the Scottish traditional and folk music scene in recent years. Featured by The Scotsman as one to watch in 2018, Hannah has well and truly established herself as one of Scotland's foremost young singers. No stranger to accolades, Hannah has already been nominated for Scots Singer of the Year at the Scots Trad Music Awards, as well as being named the winner of the BBC Radio Scotland Young Traditional Musician of the Year competition. Her career highlights have already seen her performing at numerous festivals, including Celtic Connections, the Orkney Folk Festival and the Tyree Music Festival, alongside national television appearances on BBC Hogmanay Live and the BBC Proms in the Park. Hannah's debut album, Neath the Gloaming Star, which was released in 2018, gained rave reviews and features a mixture of self-penned tracks, as well as some stunning covers of Scotland's most loved songs. Hopefully, we can look forward to more new music from Hannah in the near future. Hannah, thank you so much for joining me today and welcome to Capture Caledonia. Thanks so much, Ian. Cheers for having me. Now, before we chat about the choices that you've made for today's show, I'd love to chat to you about the amazing start that you've had to your career. And to begin with, I'd like to go right back to find out how your love for music first blossomed and what triggered you to pursue life as a singer? Ooh, um, very good question. Um, <laughs> my parents, so I should probably start out and say I'm an only child. So um, I grew up in West Lothian, um, just me and my folks and um, my mum and dad, have what I would consider to be quite a well-rounded music taste. Um, they, um, there's a little bit of an age difference between them. So um, my dad's kind of more sort of 60s kind of music from then and mum's 70s onwards. And I grew up in the house with both of them really loving music, constantly playing records and CDs and, and singing. And um, I think from a very, very young age, uh, Dad had me singing Queen's Greatest Hits. So uh, <laughs> I've got lots of stories of me at the bottom of the garden singing I Want It All by Queen and things like that. So um, the radio was definitely very important in our house. Um, so I picked up um, I Love a Song that way. And then in a more sort of formal setting, I guess, um, when I went to infant school, the, the wee school in uh, Deckman, the village where I'm from, um, I got a letter to join the National Youth Choir of Scotland. Um, so they have branches in all different areas. 
uh, of Scotland so you go along and the choir if you get in is uh, from the age of 8 to 18 and um, it's sort of a great organisation in that it not only um, just grows this love of music and singing in children um, but it also trains you up in terms of musicianship alongside that so um, when I joined that um, I just fell in love with singing so it was choral singing mostly but um, a range of repertoire both Scottish and, and classical um, lots of different things so um, I stayed in that till I was 18 and joined the national choirs um, so I was in it until I was about 23 or 24 I think um, so that was just a constant um, constantly singing uh, was, was a part of the week every single Thursday as well as that um, sort of singing in the house as well so yeah and do they give you a good foundation when you decide, okay, this is what I want to do as a profession? Like, how did it then evolve into that? Yeah, so I think whilst I was at school, um, I was lucky that teachers who, who weren't necessarily music teachers um, were very encouraging of um, myself and some of my friends in following what we really, really wanted to do. Um, so I think high schools have a tendency to um, want to tick boxes um, so whatever you do well in your exams you might be encouraged to go and do that but I was lucky to have a few influences who said you know have, have a real think about what you want and when I uh, mentioned the notion of becoming a singer um, they were really very supportive as were my parents um, but I did end up going to university to study something completely different first <laughs> and fought, <laughs> fought against that um, sort of natural uh, desire but it won in the end so I did go to Glasgow Uni for two years um, to do history and film and television studies um, but I think I knew in my gut that it wasn't right and sort of everything that I had naturally been interested in um, as a young person like performance and song and music and theatre um, I, I couldn't really fight against that anymore so um, that was when I auditioned for the Royal Conservatoire. I think I speak for myself and a lot of people that were, were glad that the, the uni decision maybe didn't work out and you ended up going to uh, the conservatoire. What was your experience like there? Yeah, it, it was brilliant. I do have to say, um, coming from West Lothian, I didn't really grow up with a traditional music influence. My granddad um, was a big fan of Take the Floor. Um, but other than that, my parents are kind of more of a sort of popular music and jazz music taste. Um, and it was part of the repertoire that I did in choir and, you know, I was very aware of Burns. Um, but um, it was a classical singing teacher I had before going to the conservatoire that noticed that sort of the tone of my voice, she was she was great, um, that I perhaps didn't love classical music as much as you should to go and study it, <laughs> but that, that there seemed to be something there and she encouraged me to do Scottish music. So to be honest I kind of blindly applied and, and went along to this audition and um, it, it was great when, when I did turn up on the first day my whole class who most of whom knew one another from um, up north or from studying at Plockton Music School oh yeah um, they kind of saw me come along the corridor and they knew they had a Scots singer and like, who's this who is she <laughs> <laughs> I, I know nothing you're going to have to fill me in um, so um, but I remember that quite clearly but that is what they did you know I'm still I'm best friends with some of the people that I met then and it wasn't just because we got on really well but they really did sort of take me under their wing in terms of go and listen to this singer and oh have you, have you heard of this collection and um, yeah the, the conservatoire um, was great I had fantastic tutors who 
um, introduced me to songs and music that I had never heard before at all. Um, and that led me to go and discover more myself, uh, even still now, um, as well as sort of stylistic um, changes in my voice. So if I listen to recordings from when I first started to um, to study, I, I laugh because it just sounds, I've still got that kind of choir, oh, kind of thing going on. And it's kind of <laughs> not been beaten out of me, but it's definitely calmed down. And you can I can hear how the people that taught me um, have, have influenced what I now do, which and is nice. Did it feel like a very natural thing? Like when you started singing these traditional songs, did you immediately feel at home within your voice in that style? Yeah, I did. Um, most of the repertoire was in Scots. Um, and um, my dad <laughs> growing up uh, was chastised by my mum for maybe not speaking properly. So we're both <laughs> in different places. And um, my dad speaks quite broadly is what you would say. He, he does speak in Scots and um, it sort of sounds natural to the ear when I'm at home but I'd never thought about how natural it would feel to sing it and um, so when it came to singing Scott's repertoire it did feel pretty natural um, and the style of it sort of um, using more of a pure tone just kind of naturally sort of came and um, yeah I think that was also from going to a lot more gigs around Glasgow and um, listening to a lot of, of artists and um, the, the library and the conservatoire had a lot of albums that we maybe weren't supposed to put onto our computers but we did you know because uh, <laughs> and then I would, I would, I'd put um, like Maeve McKinnon um, or um, like Kareen Powart's albums on my iPod and sit and listen to them and sort of absorb that as well. Yeah, wonderful inspiration to have um, at your disposal. Um, you obviously then left and you've had a sort well you've had an amazing start to your career and one of your sort of standout highlights was winning the BBC Radio Scotland Young Traditional Musician of the Year competition what was that journey like and reflecting back now what are the moments that you savor from from that experience it was um quite it's quite nerve-wracking if i'm totally honest um entering into the competition um prior to applying i had been away on tour with um cherish the ladies an irish american band um in america and had done that since i was about uh, 23 so done it for about two years on and off and um that sort of came to an end and to be honest I think a lot of self-employed musicians sometimes find that when the calendar goes a bit quiet I panicked and I I didn't know what to do and wondered how I was going to take the next steps towards achieving what I wanted to which was to you know release more music and do more collaborations and things and so many musicians before me had spoken so highly of the competition and it is a real platform um, just to give you that boost that you need at that point in your career so I applied um, it was a pretty late application but I got it in <laughs> and um, went to the semi-final and to be honest the semi-final was made up of mostly loads of really great friends of mine um, and the final as well um, so that was great we kind of went on that journey together but I have never been more nervous than doing the semi-final or final because I have never really competed in music it had always been um performances like musicals or just like concerts at school but the competition element of it definitely was pretty nerve-wracking and I was pretty anxious about it but um 
it was a challenge that I quite enjoyed and the outcome of the competition um, I was delighted and it did give me that boost so I had already booked in to record my debut album with um, Ewan Burton and I knew which musicians I was going to be having and, and things like that um, so it just really did give me that platform and all throughout 2018 had some really brilliant experiences including you know the proms and and just lots of um, bookings where I was able to you know take the music that we've been working on and um, perform it quite confidently and feel and feel good about it and just really enjoy it um, so looking back it was definitely it, it sort of came at the right time and um, I'm really glad that I, that I did go for it in the end. You mentioned that you went through the competition with good friends of yours does it feel competitive against them or is there a sense of like togetherness and camaraderie to like get through the competition and, and just enjoy it? I know it might sound cheesier, like you're just sort of saying it just, you know, on surface, but it, uh, it really was a sense of getting through it together because we all we all had work together already. Um, my boyfriend now was actually in the final with me. <laughs> so, um, yes, we, we, and he, we were fine. You know, he, he won a trad award one year and I didn't and I won that. Were you so, together you know, at the time? No, we weren't. Oh, okay. No, we um, and um, we'd known one another from uh, being at uni who was in the year above me but um, <laughs> yeah it, it really was um, it really was a case of sort of getting through it together and whoever had been on would come off and we would all be there like oh, that's brilliant and then obviously you get to do a tour afterwards um, the TMSA um, provide a platform for the Young Scots um tour around all the home places so you get to go and see where everyone's from which is really cool and that's sort of self-directed so we all just hop in the car all the <laughs> things have been planned and we just go and have a bit of fun together so um there was a wee delay in that because of the way things worked out but that was nice you know it's not just like the competition's done and that's it you kind of get to go and um we got to record together and do some more stuff so yeah no no ill feeling there just just, <laughs> just a bit of good good fun good competition yeah the tour after it that must be so much fun to have something like that to, to look forward to after you've done the sort of competitive side it's like let's go on the road and just enjoy being in each other's company and playing music yeah exactly and then you get to we got to like put some new songs together and and do some other things and and also the, the competition part's gone so that's not if there were any um anxieties or tensions before which there weren't really um that's gone and you can just sort of enjoy enjoy the experience of it of touring. we're gonna have a listen to a track that's taken from your 2016 ep beginnings but before we do that do you mind giving us a wee background to the song and, and why you chose it to play today yeah i um it's the first song that i ever sort of wrote um in full and um i wrote it for my good friend from school's little girl um anna um, it was her first birthday um and i'm absolutely rubbish at presents to be honest with you that's why it sort of came about <laughs> and uh, i just thought what would i want what, what do i think is a nice thing that can last the test of time and this song uh, was the product of that nicole has since had a little boy and he's four and he still doesn't have a song so i'm trying to write something about mm. dinosaurs so <laughs> i'm getting there i'm getting there but um, yeah, i i kind of chose this because there's a lot of uh, good memories associated with this working with ennis connell and sally who play on it as well so yeah <laughs>
You also recently um, released a beautiful version of Davy Steele's Scotland Yet. So does that mean we can expect some more new music soon? You can indeed. So um, part of my lockdown has been 
wrestling with writer's block and creative creative blockades but um no um i am in the process of pulling together material for album two which um i can tell you is going to be produced by my good friend Ennis white who plays guitar with me quite often and has played on my albums so we've had quite a few rehearsals for that which um has definitely helped i think being able to get together in person has um definitely kind of given me a kick up the bum to get <laughs> things rolling again so yeah we're hoping that by the end of the year or the start of next year that'll be out brilliant that's so exciting well i think it's a good time to move on to the choices that you've made for the tracks that take us back today so to begin with do you mind uh filling us in on the first place that you've chosen to talk about today yes this was a very difficult thing to think because there are so <laughs> many um beautiful places that mean so much um in scotland but um the first place kind of broadly is fife um and more specifically the Falkland and Freaky region which is near Cooper um, and this is a place that will always mean quite a lot to me because I spent quite a lot of my childhood there um, as I mentioned before um, I'm an only child and during the school summer holidays I was extremely lucky that um, I was able to go and stay with my grandparents who still live there um, and I was not only lucky to go somewhere that was quite beautiful and really lovely during the summers, but also to have grandparents who were so willing to be active and wanted to give me the best possible experiences whenever I went there on holiday. So every summer was like my own mini personal tour of the surroundings <laughs> of, of Fife. And um, we got up to so much and went to so many beautiful places. Um, and... I have always had a keen interest in history, different aspects of history um, around the world as well as here at home in Scotland. And I always think of Fife as sort of a treasure trove of places and um, little nooks and crannies where you can, it's, especially for children, it's, it's just a brilliant place to spend time. And my grandparents recognised that. Um, and we went to so many different trips and places that are cemented in my memory like I became obsessed with Mary Queen of Scots mm. when I was a child and I think that was through a school project and um, my grandparents took me to Loch Leven where she was imprisoned for a short while and I remember getting this little boat out to the castle and then exploring and um, just going around all the little seaside towns in Fife so like Crail and Pit and Weem um and of course Anstruller. everyone loves Anstruller. Oh, fish and chips yes can't, can't, can't <laughs> beat it but all these sort of like quaint little places um and 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 they were often quite quiet as well we often had them to ourselves they would make me get up at the crack of dawn and I kind of <laughs> I, I sort of almost became one of the adults you know we went swimming first thing in the morning to avoid the crowds of all the children during the summer holidays but um but we went on so many great adventures and and um I have, I have, Fife has a, a very special place um, in, in my heart. And I don't know if that's the place that maybe has anyone chosen Fife? Yet? No, they haven't. Um, we actually had though, Beth Malcolm spoke about Loch Leven in particular, oh, yeah. but it was because she'd written a song that was part of the Face Ross uh, Nature and Scots competition. Oh, and brilliant. she grew up near there. So she was like, okay, I think she's got a very keen, I think she might have a degree in history actually. Um, okay. 
And so she was talking very similarly, actually, to what you said there. And I was thinking she was telling me actually about how she's she's sort of allowed history to inform her songwriting as she's got older. Is that something that you do as well? Oh, I haven't really thought about that. I think <laughs> my my um, I think it has informed my love of traditional music and the stories in those. So I think. Um, as I sort of mentioned before, folk song wasn't really part of my life until I started studying it. But um, I think it's the same intrigue um, for places like around Fife uh, as it is in songs. All these stories that have um, come to exist in song, I am fascinated um, as to where they've come from and their origin um, and that um, medium for keeping note of human experience in song, I think is quite fascinating. So um, I think there's a similar curiosity. My own songwriting, uh, I'm, it's quite personal at the moment, but I'm trying to move away from that. I'm trying to do lots of things to um, write about um, other people. So maybe that is something that um, could inform that in future. Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? It's, it's so, yeah. I guess it's so much easier to, to tap into your own experiences. So it probably feels like the natural thing to do I always think it must be a lot harder to try and tap into someone else's yeah I think um I am quite uh I would describe myself as quite empathetic so you know I I, I find myself taking on other people's emotions quite often it can be <laughs> quite it, it can be quite exhausting actually but um yeah I think um I don't know if that's a popular music style um because I grew up listening to quite a lot of popular music um which does quite often um convey the singer's emotions you know mm. uh, um and that's how when I, when I interpret a song when I'm singing it um my main aim is always to try and make the listener feel something and or connect to the song in, in a way that is best for them so not to reduce them to tears or anything but just to sort of <laughs> to sort of connect to them on some level or, or bring back a memory or, or a feeling or something um and quite often I find that talking about or, or singing about quite challenging emotions that are um widely accessible rather than a specific story about a certain person um does that but um they're both they're both um equally valid ways of writing songs but it's just it's harder to tap into putting yourself in someone else's shoes i think talking there about connecting to a song and, and trying to project that so that the audience um feels something when you're when you're performing were you involved with like um amateur dramatics or performing when you were younger Yes, so um, the teachers that I mentioned that were quite supportive um, every year at high school we did uh, a school musical and I say this to people um, and they go, oh yeah, you know, every high school does has, has a program <laughs> thing, yeah, whatever. But I'm like, no, you don't understand the people um, in particular, uh, an, an art teacher and uh, the drama teacher, um, the the quality of the productions that they put on and it was all down, you know, the the... the down to the set and their imagining of it um, and their dedication to putting it on every year to make sure that we had that positive experience was um, was really inspiring but um, I'm forever grateful to them for for that but we did lots of different things we did we did um, Sweeney Todd we did Annie we did Anything hmm. Goes um, Return to the Forbidden Planet which is like oh, 1950s, yeah. 1950s <laughs> stuff, like 
so good and then <laughs> when I was at Glasgow Uni I joined the Musical Theatre Society so we did Oklahoma um oh. which just all these that that is part of my upbringing as well that my grandparents loved the MGM musicals and Rodgers and Hammerstein and things like that so that that has all definitely found a way into how I interpret songs and and um, how I deliver I think on stage you're talking to to someone who's a who's a massive musical theater fan so um oh, yes. it's nice nice to hear you list <laughs> off those i was the same i was really into it when i was younger i actually went to i went to drama school and oh, worked you? yeah work, i've been working as an actor for 10 years but then when when um lockdown hit i was trying to think of other ways to i guess harness my creativity when things weren't um as sort of active and this was a sort of passion of mine Scotland's been a passion from touring and, and plays and various things and um, I wanted to try and match the two together um, but it's nice to hear you reel off those musicals uh, Sweeney Todd I love it and Oklahoma I love a bit of uh, Rodgers and Hammerstein you know there's their classics and um, I just I just think they just stand the test of time I know some of the topics and you know but um, like the, the songs are just are just beautiful and and recognizable for so many people um and they're just fun like dim did I, I missed it i'm dram so much oh. um so i think maybe lockdown showed me you know i think it's shown all of us that if you want to do something you know and, and you've got the passion to do it just do it because you never know what's going to happen so you know perhaps you'll see me in the background of i don't know guys and dolls <laughs> at some point yeah it's just there's so much fun um yeah love love it Obviously, it's difficult to talk about it now because we've not been able to go to the theatre for over a year. But before that, were you quite an avid theatre goer? Like, did you enjoy, would you go down to London? I don't know, try and catch a show? Yeah, I have been quite a few times down to see uh, some musicals. Um, I've been quite lucky. So sometimes part of um, my touring, I'll maybe try and nip away. So there's been a couple of times when I was with Cherish the Ladies, um, we were kind of... Uh, on the fringes of New York and oh, amazing. I was like does anyone want to go see a show and none of them were they, they were they were they were a bit interested but not really so I went to see the color purple on my own and I just uh my breath was completely taken did you away. see Cynthia Revo? I did oh. that was and I was like I, I was trying to say to the band I was like no you have to come and see this you have to <laughs> understand and they're going oh yeah maybe oh, I <laughs> And I was like, no, I need to go. So I went and I, I, I the fact that I got to see, I think that was just towards the end um, of the run and, and she wasn't going to be in that part anymore. And um, just the impact of their voices and the entire cast and the slickness of it. That's the thing about theatre is just, um, I'm forever in awe of how it just continues to develop and, and um, the imagination that goes into it. Yeah. Thank you for indulging me in a bit of musical theatre <laughs> chat there. I feel like I should go back to your um, adventures in Fife. Um, but I enjoyed that uh, that little diversion. I'm, I'm actually looking at your photo just to give people context here. Uh, Hannah and I are talking on Zoom and your icon photo, you look like you're in a very adventurous part of Scotland. Um, and obviously from talking about what your grandparents used to do with you, um, going out swimming and things like that. Have you, are you still quite adventurous now? Like, are you the kind of person that likes to go up a Monroe or do canyoning and things like that? Oh, I, I, I wouldn't go that far. But I, do, <laughs> I, do, I do like to, um, whenever I can, I do like to get out um, and be in nature. So that's another, another thing I think lockdown's shown me. Um, but last year... Um, I bought a tent and got some other stuff. I was like, no, we're going to go and do this. So um, we just went up to the Isle of Skye for four nights and um, 
just went I used to go there as a child on holiday with my parents um quite often we spent a lot of time in the highlands and different places um and it was just idyllic like you know I didn't really sleep that well camping's not <laughs> camping's not the most comfortable thing but um I just loved it and you know we went swimming in the sea and and went and um climbed a few hills and I just felt totally recharged and and had missed seeing that part of the country but um yeah I do I do like do like a good hill walk do like a good ramble I have some family also from the Lake District who um love long walks and being outdoors as well so I've grown up with that influence um I am a bit of a scaredy cat so I wouldn't say canyoning but I would say (laughs) uh, I do I do really like being outside yeah and and exploring yeah it's I mean you're talking about sky there what a beautiful part I actually went up last summer as well it was quite quite quickly after we were allowed to start moving again and we we caught just the most glorious weather we were so lucky and um I think there's there's not many places that can top sky on a stunning day actually even on a even when the weather's not great it's still got such a special quality about it it's it's just it's just gorgeous and it's it's got that kind of rugged ruggedness that is is breathtaking so um went to the Kerrang David had never really been up that way before um and we went one day and it was absolutely peeing down but it was still you know spectacular and then we walked it and just as the light sort of comes across the land and the, the clouds get in the way of the sun a little bit but then it breaks through and you can see the shards of light being cast down across the sky it's just gorgeous and then we camped on a little bit along from the coral beach um oh. and uh, kind of watched the sunset go down and I was just oh it was just in a, in a very very happy place but I think that was maybe the same thinking as you I thought maybe well it's going to be a bit quieter over the next couple of summers definitely go back and enjoy enjoy that part of the world absolutely We've diverted a little bit from Fife, but that's okay because we've been talking about Scotland as well. And I, I like that it sort of spawns uh, ideas and, and stories about other places. But what song have you chosen that that connects you to your memories of, of being with your grandparents um, around Fife? This is um, Glenn Miller's In The Mood. And um, we spent a lot of time as well as being outdoors and my grandparents indulging in lots of adventures with me. Um, listening to my granddad's old radio so we would sit and listen to Take the Floor whenever that was on Um, but we would also go through their record collection and this track just reminds me of spending an evening just me and my grandparents sitting in or me getting up and indulging them in a bit of dancing you know a bit of performance stage performance in the living room (laughs) to uh, this track Um, so yeah that that's the memory that this particular song evokes for me song is probably one of the iconic tunes out there you know even if people don't necessarily know that it's glenn miller as soon as you hear it surely everyone has heard it it's so iconic and it's brilliant if it, it makes me want to just i don't know get up and dance or, or go and do something adventurous <laughs> yeah exactly i think that was it and i think the uh the sort of 
cross generational aspect is what I liked. You know, we would always put this on if there was, you know, a New Year's party or something like that as well. And it, it makes everybody want to gap and dance and, and um, brings back memories for everybody. Let's move on to the second place that you've chosen to talk about. Where, where are we heading to next? Well, we are heading next to where I am sitting at the moment. We are uh, talking about Glasgow now. Um, so Glasgow has become home for me um, over the past 10 years. So I moved from um, West Lothian to Glasgow in 2010 to study at Glasgow University. And Glasgow is just a place that I keep sort of trying to get away from, not really, you know, <laughs> go on tour or or move a little bit further out, but I always end up being drawn back to it, even during lockdown when we're not able to enjoy its um, its full offerings. But um, I did grow up in West Lothian, so I had spent a lot of time in Edinburgh, and not to not to contribute to the Edinburgh versus Glasgow uh, conversation. <laughs> but, um, I have enjoyed both um, in different ways, but Glasgow's, the, the warmth of sort of Glasgow's heart always draws me back. Um, I've lived in lots of different places. Um, I've been lucky to have been uh, in the West End for a bit. Um, I've stayed in the South Side, uh, been in Deniston for a little while. I was briefly in Shettleston and now I'm back in the West End. And um, there's just such a diversity of of people of ideas of um culture um of food um music as well um it's just brilliant and um it's a place that i can't think i can't think of any other place that i would have wanted to spend my 20s um and i've had so many brilliant experiences and this is where i've kind of really become who i've ended up becoming and i think it's um I think it's partly due to due to where I have been, um, as well as the people here as well. Glasgow's a popular choice, actually, on this, but I think that's for very good reason because what you've talked about there, the warmth that the city offers you, and I've said this before on the podcast, but I'll say it again: when you when I used to live near Queens Park, and I'd climb up to the top of the hill, and I'd look sort of across the city, and always in the distance you see the purple sign, "People make Glasgow," and for someone who I'm like you, you know, I came from somewhere else and felt so at home there. And for me, that's just, it's such a true statement. Like the people in Glasgow are just so, I don't know, unique and make it such a brilliant place to be. And I think that's why it's proving such a popular choice on on this show, which is lovely because I love Glasgow. Yeah, certainly. I I agree the, the people and um, I know people talk about this, the sense of humor, but it, but it is that warm, open open heart that i haven't really found uh in such abundance anywhere else and i was talking um we, we moved recently um and uh we had a really good relationship with our neighbors in deniston and i was thinking actually really wherever i've been i've had a really positive relationship with those who are around me and we moved to the West End recently and bumped into a friend who then, while talking to us, saw about five or six other people that they were on first name terms with <laughs> just around the neighbourhood. And um, I've witnessed, uh, uh, I've witnessed the community spirit and the heart of people, um, both um, towards myself but also in passings. Um, and um, 
as someone who you know we've spoken a little bit about musicals but I think comedy has been a large part of my life and it's something that I really love as well and the sense of humor like I've laughed so much in the past 10 years (laughs) partly because of living in Glasgow and partly because of the people and um, I'm extremely grateful that I'm able to call here home just now Comedy and humour is a great thing to pick up on, actually, um, because I think when you come from another part of Scotland, nothing can quite prepare you for for the speed of like the West Coast humour. And in particular, uh, in Glasgow, people are so quick, like and yeah. so funny in, in a split second. And I used to work in a bar when I first moved there and it was brilliant. I love people watching and it was a great thing to do and just observe like the banter and just the speed of it. And it makes you, it's it's clear, well, it became clear in my head why, I don't know, people like Billy Conley, so brilliant at comedy because they're surrounded by it or they were probably 24 hours a day, seven days a week for a lot of their, uh, their childhood, I guess. Yeah, constantly. I think I think it is, it is very clear that the West is quite different from the East in that respect. And that is me speaking as someone who is from the East. Um, I was kind of brought up um to kind of you know mind my manners and all these things not that that doesn't come with comedy but maybe perhaps um you know being very polite and how to speak to people properly when you speak when you bump into them on the street um although that doesn't necessarily isn't isn't not in glasgow but it, it kind of um calms down the the urge to maybe make that little quick comment or have that bit of a laugh <laughs> yeah. um, because you want to mind your manners and want to make sure that you're you're being as polite as you possibly can and I think there is still a bit of me in that I'll get caught out by someone hilarious who's very quick <laughs> and I can't come I can't come back with anything and I just say well done well done yeah. <laughs> um and that is that is a, a a very special quality about the people from from the west you mentioned that you've lived in quite a few different areas in the city do you feel a particular affinity to a particular area um, of the ones that you've mentioned? Ooh, well, we have just moved back to uh, near um, it's like Kelvin side, um, but I have spent kind of the last three and a half years in Deniston and um, I really love the East End of Glasgow. Um, I first moved there early 2018 and um, wasn't quite sure. It's the same as when you move to any area um, for the first time um, until you get your bearings. Um, you're, you're maybe a bit unsure of, of your surroundings, but um, just love the buzz in Deniston. I know that it has changed recently um, and there has been a massive um, a massive shift in people moving out to the east, which is great. Um, and I think it has created... Uh, a definite buzz in that area um, and there are lots of um, lots of really nice places to to go out and to eat which, which are brand new and that's great that new businesses move into that area um, but there's also still um, the old community um, from before that happened who are sort of welcoming it and kind of um, embracing that as well so um and also, there's there's a lot of banging um, charity shops in Deniston. <laughs> love a good browser. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's just uh, it, it has felt it's felt like home. Um, there's a great community spirit in um, Deniston. Um, I've got Dennis. I've still got the Deniston community page on Facebook. We can't hmm. quite let go, even though we moved. But um, some of the like the, some of the banter on that is all people who live in the East End, and uh, it's great. And also to see. 
uh, during lockdown spent a lot of time walking around uh, Alexandra Park um, which I think has become now like my new favourite park of all of Glasgow um, and um, there's a friends of the community park who, who look after it and organise different events and things and it's been great to see people um, sort of coming together and creating a really lovely space that everyone can enjoy and everyone also being quite respectful of that in the East End I think it was really nice last summer when things were pretty grim and um, when it was sunny people were all sat out you know having picnics and just sort of all keeping distance all behaving all just really enjoying having access to that space and and um yeah there's there's a great great community spirit in Denson which I think sets it apart um for me from everywhere that I've lived I think green spaces were um obviously well looked after before we've been what we've been through over the last few years but I think coming out of it they're going to be even more precious to cities now that we've realized how how important they are even more to us um Alexandra Park is a beautiful spot so it's a good a good reference point um for where you enjoyed spending some time uh, in Deniston or near Deniston what song have you or why actually why have you chosen the song that you have chosen um that represents Glasgow I have chosen um a track from Eddie Reader's Burns album um, and this is because I think it was before I moved to Glasgow I went to see Eddie at Celtic Connections with my parents who um, really loved her Burns album which I did as well I became obsessed with it towards the end of school um, and um, we went along to Celtic Connections and this was before I had any realization that I was going to do folk music and um, I was just in awe of Eddie's performance style and um, the way she interacted with the audience and also the band. Um, I remember watching uh, Phil Cunningham and, and John McCusker and, and all these other musicians on the stage and just thinking it was really cool. And I was like, that is something <laughs> that I, they looked like they were having fun. And <laughs> that was that, that stuck out for me. And um, I, I did, I watched that and thought, that is something that I would be really interested in being a part of, but felt pretty powerless and said, oh, I have no idea how I would ever be able to be a part of that. So I just kind of enjoyed it for what it was and went away and, and lived my life for a bit. And then somehow, um, I don't know how it happened, but I ended up, you know, being part of the same sort of scene and um, being good, close friends with Phil now. Um, <laughs> he's been a great support to me. Um, and I still love Eddie's music and it's just sort of come full circle. So I have a really clear memory of sitting in the concert hall, watching Eddie perform and thinking, this is really for me, but I'm not quite sure how I'm going to go about it. And somehow I'm really lucky that it has in some form. Um, and that has all been while I have been in this great city of Glasgow. It must be amazing for your parents to be sitting there watching Eddie Reader with you however many years ago and you fast forward and they're there watching you at Celtic Connections uh, they must be so proud I think they are yes <laughs> they are and I'm I'm really I'm really lucky to have um such supportive parents um they, they've kind of been with me every step of the way and I think they go through everything with me every every up every down they're right there um and I think particularly my dad he's 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 well chuffed for me so it's really really lovely so I'm actually not sure what song you've chosen because you gave me two. So I'm quite excited to see which one you've settled on. I'm going to go with A Fond Kiss, I think. <laughs> um, 
and this is also partly because when I was at school, um, somebody used this as part of um, a drama performance that they did, and that was the first time I ever heard it, and um, it kind of stayed with me. So, yeah, A Fun Kiss by Eddie Reader. Just before we listen to it, Hannah, I just want to say thank you so much for giving me your time today and uh, speaking so eloquently about these wonderful places in Scotland and also about your career. It's been a joy to sort of travel around Scotland with you uh, today. So thank you so much. Anna, thank you so much for having me. It's been great. If and kiss and then we sever If we last forever Deep in heart round tears I'll pledge thee Warren sighs and groans You're listening to the tracks that take us back on Capture Caledonia with you and Petrie. Thank you so much for listening to Capture Caledonia, the tracks that take us back. If you're enjoying the podcast, please remember to subscribe and to leave us a rating and a review. Please also go on social media and like and share the pages with all your friends and family. A little reminder that on Facebook and Instagram, just search Capture Caledonia and on Twitter, search Capture Cali. Go on, like, share, post, comment about it and help spread the word of Capture Caledonia. If you want to support the podcast, remember you can go on to my Buy Me A Coffee page, www.buymeacoffee.com forward slash Capture Cali. Any amount that you can afford to donate to support the podcast will really go a long way and help to ensure that we can keep the podcast going in the future. Thank you so much for your continued support and I look forward to seeing you next week.